Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to show number 316 from Engage for Success. I'm Jo Moffat, and I'm hosting today's show for you. And uh, today we're going to be talking about breaking the talent rules. And uh, to help us explore that topic, I'm very pleased to be joined by Adele Harrington. Uh, I met Adele um, a few weeks ago at the um, Business Culture Awards event uh, where they were announcing the finalists and short- shortlisted finalists for this year's awards. And Adele, uh, uh, as her organization is one of the uh, sponsors of those awards, was, was speaking at that event. And um, I was very interested in what she had to say, and I thought that it needed a bit of a wider audience. So I was very pleased when she agreed to join us for today. Uh, so welcome to the show, Adele. Hello, can you hear me? Ah, we seem to have got some kind of problem there. Uh, are you able to hear me, Adele? Hmm. Hello, can you hear me? Joe, can you hear me? I can hear you. I don't quite know what happened there. Can you hear me, Adele? I can now. Yes, yeah, sorry about that. It, uh, it chucked me it out. Ch- <laughs> it chucked you out. I thought it was something personal. I thought it was me. I thought I was just talking to myself for a minute there. So apologies to you, Adele, <laughs> as our guest, and apologies to our listeners there. I don't know how much of that you got, but I was giving you quite a nice build up there. Um, and welcome <laughs> to the show. <laughs> Thank you. So I, I will welcome you back again. Um, and I was just uh, uh, explaining that we met at an event for the Business Culture Awards and um, you, your, your, what you presented there I thought deserved a wider audience so I was very pleased that you've joined us. So uh, without any further ado then, um, do you want to just give our listeners a, a little bit of an introduction to your professional background um, and then tell us a little bit about Kelly, uh, Kelly OCG who, uh, who you are a, a senior consultant with or principal yes, sure. consultant, sorry. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so my professional background, um, I guess I never really set out to work uh, in the talent industry, um, but it is it's one of those industries that once you're in, you don't really get out of, and that's kind of how it's ended up. Um, uh-huh. So I've now been in that industry for over 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually started out as a headhunter, um, and then I joined Kelly right back in 2003, Um, And I started working for them in their commercial recruiting side of the business, but I was very fortunate to get into the outsourcing space when it really started to take off in about 2005. Um, Mm -hmm. And at that time, I went and worked over in Asia Pacific for three years, um, which was an induction by fire to that industry. Um, But it was a really great um, starting point for me to really understand the ins and outs of um, the outsourcing world. Mm -hmm. And really, that's where I focused from there on in. Um, I'm at my anniversary with Kelly next week, actually, 16 years, um, right. and I've had a brilliant opportunity to work for many different roles uh, within Kelly, right up to my, my current role, which is in the Talent Advisory Services Division as a principal consultant, which means that I support clients with lots of complex workforce-related challenges. Mm-hmm. 
And um, and just to explain who Kelly is, so some of you yes. will know Kelly as the Global Staffing Organization. They've been around for mm -hmm. over 70 years, and they've got a very strong history in sort of temporary and permanent recruitment solutions. Yes. Um, yes. Where I sit is in the outsourcing and consulting um, division, um, mm -hmm. and they're really focused on innovative workforce solutions, and we support some of the biggest organizations around the globe, really. Um, mm -hmm. We essentially help companies to kind of navigate the changing talent market, um, you know, building solutions for them to manage their workforce um, and working in partnership really with them to help sort of create and prepare for, um, you know, what's coming next in the talent industry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I seem to remember actually because I started my working life in recruitment and um, I used to work for Reed. Read group, read employment, oh, yes. yep. so called. And I think, mm -hmm. I think I remember Kelly from those. I mean, I'm talking a very, very long time ago. And would I? I think they used to go by the name of Kelly Girl or something, which probably that's right. Um, yeah, right back in the day, they were Kelly Girl. <laughs> <laughs> which clearly you know can you imagine that today my goodness and I think we used to have vacancies for girl Fridays and people like that that we would try and place people in the you know yeah. try and find candidates to fill those sorts of jobs so uh yeah very uh very interesting mm -hmm. so okay so so for the next sort of half an hour we're going to be talking about stitching the talent rules um and uh that's a sort of you know sort of a, a approach that you're trying to trying to sort of persuade organizations to embrace a little bit of sort of thinking outside the box, I suppose. Um, so I just wonder whether you could just give us a little bit of an overview where this, where this idea came from, and then perhaps we can look at, uh, look, look at those rules in a little bit more detail. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I guess the ditch the script is really more of a mindset, um, and it's a, a state of mind that we want people to start thinking and being more into. Um, mm -hmm. It really is about, um, you know, embracing the idea that anything is possible um, mm -hmm. and that you don't have to do things the way that they've always been done just because that is the way that they've always been done. Um, mm -hmm. We see a lot of um, the clients that we work with that have you know, huge amounts of processes and procedures that they expect to continue. And it's about looking at, do we need to continue? Are they there for a reason or are they just there because they're there? Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of, clients that are, you know, they're very unique. They have their own sort of um, goals and values and challenges. And so there's not a single approach to working with them that works. So we don't come to them with a single set of processes and goals mm -hmm. and solutions. You know, we mm -hmm. always have to think outside the box. So I guess mm -hmm. we're trying to say to them they need to follow suit and think a little bit more outside the box themselves so it's not so limiting for them um, to really, you know, fit with the way things are today in the talent industry. Mm -hmm. um, actually, talking about, you know, the Kelly girl, um, Kelly as a whole has always felt themselves being in that innovative space because Kelly was one of the first organizations in the temporary recruitment agency space. It was actually William Russell Kelly who founded our organization and the Kelly okay. girl, girl brand, and that mm -hmm. was um, back in World War II. Um, Gosh, so as a brand, we've yeah. tried to keep hold of that feeling. Yeah. And tried to sort of help help shape the world of talent going forward um, by mm -hmm. being a little bit more innovative and thinking outside the box. And, and do you find, from your experience, um, you know, is it is it the case that the bigger the organisation, the more established the organisation, the more set in stone their processes are, and the harder it is for them to um, embrace the art of the possible? Or or, or do you find um, that actually it's it's the opposite? They they they're desperate to try something different. 
I think the I think the larger organisations are um, somewhat more desperate to change, but I do mm. think that they struggle to because they are so complex. Um, yes. You know, change is really related to culture. Um, at the end of the day, you know, you've got to have a culture that provides people the ability to change. You know, to be mm. able to change, you have to be very adaptable and you have to have an environment that lets people fail so that they can learn how to improve and how to change. Um, mm. And big organizations don't do that as well. Um, no. But then a lot of smaller organizations have very set processes um, because they, you know, there's, there's not as many people for it to expand beyond. So everybody's doing mm. the same thing. Mm. So it's a real mm. mix of the two. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Okay. So how how do you want to play this? Should we should we um quickly quickly sort of talk about some of the principles and then perhaps go into them in a little bit more detail because obviously we we you know, we've only got a limited amount of time. Mhm. Yep, sure. Um you mean the principles as in the rules that we're suggesting people Yeah, break? the the rules you want to ditch. I think you've got about you've got about 10, haven't you or something? Uh, I think there was about five that we shared five. in the uh, in the okay. late in the, in the meeting that we that you were attended. Okay. Yeah. Oh well, there you are. You see, I'm obviously bigging you up even more, Adele. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, let's take each one in turn, then, shall we? Okay. So the first one we talked about, actually, which is one of my favourite ones, is the um, that the CV is an essential part of the recruitment process. Um, right. And what we are saying is, does it really need to be? Because, you know, the CV, and I shared this in, in the meeting at the presentation that you attended, Joe. Um, you know, the CV is over 530 years old. So it's been around for a long, long time. And <laughs> there's not an many things thing, today. That's lovely, yeah, 530 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we're still using it today, and it really hasn't changed that much. Um, mm. And I think that you don't see many things around today that are that old that we still continue to do in the same way. So why are we essentially using the CV? Especially mm. as it's so, it doesn't really give you the opportunity to see the person behind the CV. Mm. Um, and it doesn't really give you the opportunity to, um, you know, test or evaluate that person's skills. You're, you're essentially just reading what they want you to know about them. Um, mm. So some of the work we've been doing with clients is about looking at how are you attracting your talent and is the CV really the right way to do that for the skills of today? Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, interesting. I mean, I was at, a, I was at an event uh, a few months ago that was talking about talent attraction, but at a very you know, kind of senior level talent attraction. Um, and, and there was quite a debate about this and, and talking about recruiting for attitudes and value fit, uh, values fit and behaviours and cultural fit rather than necessary skills. Um, but then mm. people made the point, but yes, but when you're looking at when applications are all automated and it's all uh, crawled over by bots and AI who are looking for keywords and all of that, it's very, very difficult for people to break away from that and actually start to look at things in a way that is not keyword i.e. skill related really yeah but if you think about um you know it's one of those things where there's a statistic now that says that the people um the skills that we will need in the next um 10 20 years nobody mm. even has today yeah so yes. if the skills aren't even there and they're going to evolve that quickly over the next 10 years um mm. they're not going to be on somebody's cv you know, no. because they need to be in the workforce and learning those new skills as they go. So mm. we've really got to start mm. thinking about how we how we move more mm. quickly with the times. Yes, yes, indeed. So how how do you what, what's the alternative then to that? 
CV? What what do you how do you get people to start thinking outside of that particular box? Yeah, I think I think one of the strong things is I mean we can't necessarily get away from asking individuals to tell us what they can do. Um, mm. What we can do is ask it very differently. Rather than what have you done, what can mm-hmm. you do? What do you want mm-hmm. to do? What are the behaviors that you really look to want to achieve in the workforce? What motivates you? It's more mm-hmm. about um, what people want to get out of the next job versus what have they done in the past. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. And right-o, right-o. So, so the CV then being, being our, the first, the first rule to just try and think about a little bit differently. What, and what's the second one? Um, this one's um, reasonably relative, actually, and it's um, another one that we tend to have about and have done for some time, and it's that talent strategy should be tailored to key demographics. Mm-hmm. Um, and the problem with a demographic approach is that, again, it really lacks depth because it doesn't show you the person behind the talent. You know, instead of classifying workers on their goals and their beliefs and their attitudes like we just talked about, you know, that's what we want to get out of the application process. Um, mm-hmm. You don't see that if you're just looking at somebody's demographics. People can right. be, um, you know, the example I give is that, you know, I'm a, a white um, British female of 40 years old um, in the city of Peterborough. It doesn't necessarily mean that I have the same wants and needs out of somebody who's um, a white British female of 40 years old who's sat up in Glasgow, for example, mm-hmm. um, who's mm-hmm. looking for the same type of work. Mm-hmm. So demographics mm-hmm. doesn't tell us much. doesn't help us mm-hmm. really in that talent um, spectrum, especially nowadays with talent choosing to work very differently depending on their situation. Mm. So what so do we use as demographics, to... sort of psychographics and things like that? Yeah, so psychographics is the, is the attitude we're trying to take um, into mm. account a lot more so, mm-hmm. which is that... What drives those two individual females? Um, what do they want to do at work? How do they want to go to work? Um, you know, mm-hmm. Are they a flexible worker? Are they a gig employee? Are they looking for a nine-to-five with a long-term career? There's a lot of different drivers, and once we know that and we have a little bit more of an understanding of their psychographic and their attitude to work, that will mm-hmm. really help us place them more effectively. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, absolutely. I can see that. And that uh, but does that involve... Does that involve um, quite complex sort of assessment stages um, and, and, and skilled interviewing initially? Uh, it can do, um, mm. but it can also be as easy as just asking different questions in the application process. Um, right. We did a study to understand the different talent segments. Um, it was actually done in the US, but it transfers over here quite well. Um, and it was about asking psychographic-based questions versus demographic ones so asking people the questions that make them really think about what motivates them where they're Mm -hmm. at within their career um, Mm -hmm. what they want to get out of their next career what challenges them Um, it's about asking those questions versus you know what did you do in that role what did you achieve in that role some of that you still need to know um, but if you ask the more psychographic questions you start to see the real human behind the application yes 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 okay and 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 to what extent, I'll probably wrap this up a little bit towards the end, but I'm just particularly interested in this. Have you, have you been able to see where approaching, because as you say, one and two are a little bit connected. Have you, have you seen where people have achieved higher quality hires as a result or, or, re, or, or perhaps hires that have stayed longer or, or found it easier to find people? You know, what's been the, um, what's been the win that you've seen so far 
Um, we're actually, we are starting to see wins um, with this. We do a lot of work with people around um, their employer value proposition, and I think when you tie that into psychographics and how people want to go to work and then how, mm -hmm. how organizations are attracting people, you really mm -hmm. see a difference because, mm -hmm. um, you know, an employer value proposition is talking to somebody about the purpose of the business. What is that mm -hmm. company doing? What is their brand telling them? What is that? What is the person going to be doing at work and getting out of that? Um, and that attracts more to someone's psychographics versus the demographic side. Um, yes. So in the work that we do in that space, we're really starting to see um, big wins. We are mm -hmm. also using it internally ourselves, though, to look at profiling of certain roles within Kelly. Um, oh, you know, now we, that, we have, yeah. Uh, so you yeah, are so uh, you know we have a, a huge sales force, for example, mm -hmm. um, and to be successful in sales, it is a certain type of psychographic um, skill, a psychographic um, balance that we need for that person to be successful. So we've been able to look mm -hmm. at our successful people internally and how they approach work, what motivates them to be able to then mm -hmm. adapt that for what we're looking for, and that's mm -hmm. really been successful as well. Yeah, no, I, so it's it's good you actually are. Um, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid, as they say. And, uh, Correct, you know, yeah. <laughs> and I think that's important, definitely yeah. important, because then when you're talking to clients about it, you can really show them um, that, you know, that it works and that you've tried mm. and tested it. Mm, mm, absolutely. Okay, so um, number three then, Adele. So number three is that only permanent talent deserves rewards. Um, which right. is something that's um, it's a difficult one because there is always that concern about co-employment risk with the contingent market. Um, mm -hmm. But the contingent market is huge, uh, and we mm. know that it's not going anywhere fast. In fact, it's growing and growing as we speak. Um, so that legacy attitude that the contingent talent is somewhat um, not as valuable or committed is mm. really something that we're trying to get um, get organizations to think differently about. If anyone's seen any of our company branding more recently, it's really focused on that whole temporary is good. Uh, it's not necessarily a negative to be in a temporary position. It doesn't mean that you're not as uh, committed to the workforce. It's just that people are choosing to work that way um, going mm -hmm. forward. Um, so we need to be able to attract them um, again, but we also need to make sure that we retain them um, not necessarily long, long term, because they're temporary workers, and that means mm. that they may choose to only work with your organization a short time. But mm. that when they are there, that they're putting in their 100% and they're valuable, um, and that we're appreciating that, and that we're taking the skills they bring to the organization and utilizing them. Yes, yes. So I think we're kind of looking with working with clients. Sorry, Joe. Sorry, go on. No, go, go on. Carry on. I was going to say, we're, we're working with clients to look at how do you reward the temporary workforce. You can't necessarily mm -hmm. do it the same as you do with permanent employees. You can't necessarily give them, um, you know, bonuses. Um, but what you can do is make sure that you're giving them very good references, um, that you're sending them off to the next temporary position uh, with that solid uh, reference um, background. Um, mm -hmm. You can make sure that you're recognizing them in the workplace and you're making them feel comparable to the other employees that are there uh, rather mm -hmm. than a second-class citizen. Yeah, I, I think that latter one is 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 really really important because it's it's so often those intangible, uh, informal sense of belonging that actually matter enormously to people. I mean, of course, of course, the, what you get paid and and your your sort of monetary rewards are, are are a key part of everything. But but actually, the the what really drives our desire to get out of bed in the morning uh, on a Monday and go to work is is the sense of belonging and a shared purpose and a feeling that you are 
a valued member of the team doing whatever it is you're yeah. doing. And, and that doesn't, delivering those sorts of things does not compromise somebody's employment status and lay your organisation open to the risk of some giant bill from HMRC for unpaid tax and NI, does mm-hmm. it? That's absolutely that, correct, yeah. You know, that's always been the big fear, hasn't it? There's always been this sort of uh, driving fear behind, oh, we can't. I mean, I've, I've lost track of the number of clients that I've spoken to over the years who said, oh, no, we can't let our non-headcount workers receive the employee magazine um, because HMRC will consider them to be an employee and then we'll be responsible for their tax and NI. And it's like, oh, no, really? Um, it, 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 just, it just seems a little bit like people get stuck in these, these um, interpretations, blind interpretations of what they perceive to be penal rules aren't necessarily, uh, aren't necessarily right. And um, I think so that I'm very much with you on your ditch the rules, break the rules, think about things differently. Yeah. Don't just follow blindly and slavishly a path because that's the way it's always been done or that's the thinking that has always been had because that thinking may not be, it may never have been right or it may not be right anymore, might it? Yeah, correct. But, and it can be a very small change. Something like yeah. making sure they have access to a magazine can go a long way to someone absolutely. who's not had it before, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. I was talking to someone only the other day, actually, in an organisation that, that I've been uh, involved in and they were they were they were leaving and and one of the things that came through loud and clear was I just didn't feel that I was part of the team I just because I didn't get they were they were not copied in on on 90 percent of the kind of communication that everyone else got because they weren't on the right mailing list even emails list you know so yeah, uh, yeah. okay it is so we, we let's go on to number four uh, we've got eight minutes left, so let's go to Okay, four. so we'll speed through. So number four <laughs> is that the best talent will find us. Um, uh-huh. We have a lot of clients that rely on their brand um, and always mm-hmm. have done and assume that talent will come to them. Uh, and, mm-hmm. of course, that's not necessarily the case, um, yeah. especially when, um, you know, like we just said, there are different types of working. People want to work differently. People want to work flexibly. Uh, you've got mm. the gig workers. They want to be found differently. They're not necessarily walking into agencies off the street anymore to find jobs. They're online. Mm. They're in talent mm. pools. They're expecting mm. clients to go to them uh, in a lot of cases. So uh, we're working with clients to educate them on you can't just sit back and hope clients, uh, talent will find you. Uh, you know, you need to update your brand. You need to think of it differently as to who you're trying to attract. And actually, you may need to go and find them and ask them to come and share their skills with you versus expect them to come. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's a really important one for us. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and what, what are the sort of the routes that you have found to be the most successful at finding that talent in different ways um, than just waiting for them to come to you? Well, I mean, it's a, it's not it's not an easy one, but uh, one of the mm. areas that we're looking into and doing a lot of um, work at the moment is the human cloud, because obviously a lot of people are out there um, in these talent pools or on mm. online, uh, you know, management systems, freelancer management systems, etc. Um, mm-hmm. But there are so many different technologies, it can be quite scary for a, an organization to understand, well, where is the talent that I need for that type of role? So mm-hmm. one of the things we do is help them to understand that landscape and to really right. look through all of that, um, you know, huge varieties of different platforms to work out, well, the talent that you need is sat here, here, and here. So how do you then okay. enable that access? Yes, yes. Because I guess one of the fears is that um, if you're not careful, if you, don't, if you don't really, if you don't quite know what you're unleashing, 
um, you might well open open the door into something which is sort of unleashing a huge tsunami of of applications and interests, but from people who aren't aren't really right for you because you're not quite sure. That's right. But the trouble with online, it's 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 it is it is very difficult to know what the reality behind the presentation is, isn't it? Yeah. You know, you, 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 yeah, you, it's actually one of the difficulties. If you go back to our earlier discussion on CVs, the difficulty with online is essentially that you're buying someone by just looking at what they've put into a platform mm. um, because quite often it's a direct buy as well. So there's no middleman to tell you that they've interviewed and spoke to the person and that they've checked that they are, you know, really what they say they are on the packet um, and mm. that they're going to walk in and do a, a good job. Um, mm. So I think that's something people are still struggling with, and I don't think there's, I don't think many people have worked out how that effectively works today without having again mm. a ton of resource that has to, you know, support that mechanism and be the middleman. Yes, yes, absolutely. Okay, and then finally, number five, what what's that going to be? Well, number five is that uh, the rule is never to be the first to embrace new ideas or technology. Uh, mm-hmm. which obviously we all know that one really just needs to be put straight in the bin because there's so much new technology uh, and innovation out there. Um, like we just talked about with the human cloud, it can be difficult because there are so many new technologies out there trying to mm-hmm. work out what actually is the right solution and what should you be um, trying uh, is yes. difficult. Um, you know, But I think organizations have to be brave. They can't just sit back and ex- and hope that, um, you know, they will ride through the change. They have to embrace that change. Uh, and if mm. that is new technologies or new innovations, um, there's a lot of work to be done to understand what really fits with their business purpose, how does mm-hmm. it align with their overall objectives, and what really should they be focusing on as far as technologies and change, what area yes. of the business really needs that um, change. Yes, yes. It's interesting. I know, I mean, there's a lot of organizations that I talk to and have talked to over over the last couple of years, more and more and more of them are um, a, applying a, a strategy of digital transformation. They are they are bringing in or or developing their people to to really focus on digital transformation of their business, and not just not just how they present to their customers and prospective customers online, but just how does digital and tech. How is it going to totally transform their business in every single way? Um, so mm-hmm. when you're talking in this way from, in terms of um, talent, uh, do, you, do you tend to only be talking to the, to the HR teams or do you find yourself sitting down and actually talking to these sort of digital transformation specialists who, are, who perhaps have, a, have, their, have an overview across the whole organization? Um, we actually don't or haven't done so far, which I think is one of the biggest problems, actually, because HR um, and procurement, actually, or a buyer from the contingent side, um, mm. you know, they are trying and they want to be in that space and they know they need to evolve, especially with um, technology where it comes to talent. But I think mm. that actually it probably does need to be joined up more so with the wider business. And I don't think that's mm. necessarily happening so well. Um, which is why it's not an easy change, um, and it's not necessarily as rapid as it should be. Yes, yes. Well, I guess as, as far as digital transformation people are concerned, it is a, from their perspective, it is a desire to actually look really broadly and ask the sort of challenging questions that you've been that you've been outlining. Um, you know, why yeah. are we doing it this way? Why should we do it this way? What let's let's sort of rip up the rules and start 
start from scratch and think about how we can use technology to uh, approach this in a totally different way to get to a totally different place and get different results. Um, so maybe that's uh, you know maybe that maybe that's what you need to do next, Adele. Maybe you need to start the targeting the, the digital transformation gurus and, um, yeah. and, and using them to, to beat other people over the head with. But uh, um, so results of all of this so far, I mean, it, it, how, how long have you been, how long have you been talking and trying to encourage people to think about these rules differently? What, what are you uh, seeing? Kelly has been focused on it really for the last year. Um, and I would say that we have had a lot of improvement in that year. Mm, mm, mm. And, and, yeah. you, and you talked about applying the, uh, the talent strategy thinking to your own people. I mean, are you, are you applying all five of these rules to yourself? Uh, I wouldn't <laughs> say we are just yet. I've still seen a lot of CVs flying around, I will say right. that. Um, yeah. <laughs> but no, we, so we're the... definitely trying to get that message out. And yeah. I do think we need to uh, do it ourselves a little bit more as well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is which is the one that's the easiest, do you think? But if, if if there was some, you know, people listening to this, of those five rules, which is the one that it can re- people could really start doing something on almost tomorrow, just by having been triggered to think about it from listening to you today. Uh, to me, the most the easiest one and the one that's going to make the most, the most change for people, especially in that talent attraction arena, is the um, the demographics versus psychographics making sure yeah. that you're not necessarily just looking at, um, you know, what people have done, what's their demographic. It's more about what could people do, what's their psychographics, what motivates them. And mm-hmm. hiring on that basis will get you a much more successful applicant. Excellent. Adele, that's a lovely piece of advice for our listeners to take away. And um, I just got to thank you very much for being our guest this evening. Thank our listeners for listening and uh, say good night. So thank you very much, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks, Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.